This afternoon, I'd like to continue our whirlwind tour of the Brahma Viharas. And again, I just need to adjust this sound device. Is that better? How is that? Good? Okay. So yeah, continuing our whirlwind tour of the Brahma Viharas by touching briefly into the last of the four, which is equanimity. And I'm having to practice equanimity right now with the fact that we only have 45 minutes for this because in many ways this is a quality that the whole of these practices are leading us towards. And we could spend the whole nine-day retreat just looking at the different ways that we can cultivate equanimity, how it manifests, what gets in the way, and so on. But unfortunately, we don't have time to go into it in depth right now. But I'm hoping that even having this uh, little taste of it will give you some sense of what it is, how to cultivate it, and how it can be a support as you transition back into your everyday lives. So first, what even is equanimity? It's a kind of an old-fashioned word that's not used much in English anymore but it basically means balance. So it's the heart-mind that's completely at ease, not wanting anything, not not wanting anything. So simply being with what is in a state of deep acceptance. And when equanimity is fully perfected, it's experienced as a peace so profound that it's really beyond anything that our ordinary hearts and minds might be able to conceive of. But even before we might uh, taste equanimity to that depth, we can train train in it, beginning with just this basic orientation towards non-reactivity. And that's actually what we've already been doing through this whole retreat. So this non-reactivity is an aspect of mindfulness that bare awareness or bare attention of just knowing our experience exactly as it is, without getting lost in it, without rejecting it, without feeding it, without struggling with it, without identifying it, that is the training in equanimity. And with that, we can then, as it says in the refrain of the Satipatthana Sutta, we can abide independent not clinging to anything in the world. And it's possible that for some of you, uh, depending on what's happening, you might be thinking, well, yeah, equanimity sounds great, but you don't know what's going on in my life right now. And it's true that uh, as with most of the Buddha's teachings, when we start to orient in that direction, often what we come across is the obstacles to whether it's kindness, compassion, joy, or equanimity. As Devon said the other day, it's like these uh, practices are magnets that draw out the impurities, the obstacles. And we can train in these qualities. And so that's what we've been offering in these afternoon sessions. We can train in orienting the heart and the mind in this direction. And we'll again be doing that uh, using the reciting phrases method and working with a specific category of person. I'll say a little more about that soon. 
But I wanted to just offer, um, say that the capacity to offer equanimity is strengthened by our understanding of impermanence. So it has a connection to wisdom, to insight. The truth that everything changes. But often though we have a tendency to want to fix things, to fix other people or to fix ourselves. And when I use the word fix, I mean in both senses of the word, in terms of fix it, in terms of making it stable and permanent and solid, and fix in terms of wanting it to be different, to improve it, to repair it. So when we use the traditional equanimity phrases, they begin by acknowledging this quality of impermanence. So just a few examples from some well-known Western teachers, Jack Cornfield, may I learn to see the arising and passing of all things with equanimity and balance. So the arising and passing. Or Sharon Salzberg, may I or we be undisturbed by the comings and goings of events. And Kamala Masters, May I accept and open to how it is right now, because this is how it is right now. And I appreciate in Kamala's phrase that she says, this is how it is right now, because it's not apathy or resignation. Oh, may I open, this is how it is, okay. It's, oh, this is how it is right now. Can I open to this right now? And again, it's pointing to the truth that everything changes. So it changes, perhaps not in the time frame we would like for it, but we can trust that every situation eventually will change. And there's a second aspect of equanimity that links it to wisdom, and this is its relation to the understanding of karma, the law of cause and effect that Joseph spoke of the other night just that understanding that everything we think, we say, everything we do, doesn't happen in a vacuum. It has an effect for good or for bad, for ourselves and for others. And sometimes when we cultivate equanimity as a Brahma-Vihara practice, this understanding of the natural law of cause and effect, it can help us relieve us of some of the responsibility that we often feel for other people and for their lives, particularly people who are close to us. So one common set of phrases that I'll be using today point to this understanding quite directly. So the phrases are, I care about you, but I cannot live your life for you. Your happiness or unhappiness depends upon your actions, not upon my wishes for you. And when you first hear that set of phrases, for some of you, perhaps as a sense of relief, a little bit of opening into more spaciousness, I don't have to micromanage or control. For other people, there might be a sense of, no, I have to be in control. So whatever your initial reaction, just to... uh, sort of bookmark it and see, can you notice that with equanimity? So for the most part in these afternoon sessions, we've been working with uh, relatively easy people. Uh, So today I thought to raise the bar a little. 
and work with the category, category that's traditionally known as the difficult person, in quotation marks. More accurately, a person we're currently having some difficulties with. So we're not trying to fix this person as my difficult person, but just to acknowledge this is someone at the moment that I'm having some challenges with. But for the purposes of me offering the instruction for me to say that every time will be a bit of a mouthful. So I'm just going to say difficult person and you can uh, know that it's shorthand for all of that. And I'm going to invite us to work with a so-called difficult person and to really take care to not choose the most utterly challenging, frustrating person in your life right now, but on a scale of zero to 10, with 10 being the most extreme, choose someone who's a five or less, because these are gradual trainings. And if we start with where it's most difficult, will probably get slammed and then discouraged. So really give yourself permission to start with something relatively minor. Because by definition, the difficult person is difficult. There have been some challenges. So just in relation to that, we're touching in here into a process that depending on the circumstances might take years to fully come to the deepest, most authentic equanimity with. So we're not trying to force or manufacture any kind of false sense of, yeah, that's cool. That would be what we call foolish equanimity. We're not trying to minimize the truth of any harm that may have been done to us. So if at any time this practice feels forced or painful, then feel free to let it go. You might offer yourself a few moments of self-compassion, and then come back to just the simple breathing in and breathing out. And again, when working with difficult people, it can be helpful to perhaps underpin with a little compassion. So difficult people, one, there's the aphorism, hurt people, hurt people. So perhaps we can get a sense of that person's difficult behavior is probably coming from some kind of challenge in themselves, some kind of pain. So can we connect with that in relation to our difficult person? And conversely, the saying is that healed people heal people. So this training in equanimity is offering us the opportunity to heal our own distress, So that not only are we ourselves healed, but then we have more capacity to not react unskillfully again to others. And the third uh, support for this practice I like to offer is having a sense of humor. This uh, to cut through the tendency to take things so personally, because I'm guessing that Well, again, I like to check, is there anybody in this room who does not have a difficult person in their lives that they could work with today? Great. So we all have some material that we can get to explore now. Some area, some person, some situation where there's some degree of struggle. And coming back now specifically to this category of the difficult person, One area of our lives where many of us get caught more easily is in relation to people we're close to. 
It's amazing, again, speaking for myself, how we can have such definite agendas for how our partners and our family members and our close friends should be and who they should be and how their lives should unfold. We want them to experience only pleasure and pain and fame, uh, sorry, gain and fame and praise. Well, maybe we do want to. <laughs> so Freudian slip there, check it out. Notice sometimes that's what comes into play. We orient to equanimity and there's a little trace of cruelty. Who knows? <laughs> so having equanimity with that. Oh, look at that. Interesting. I think I want them to be happy, and part of me is not so convinced. So generally speaking, though, we want our close people to be happy. But even the Buddha couldn't change other people's lives for them. So who are we to think that we can control other people's lives? And of course we want them to be happy, but if we want them to be happy on our terms, that's conditional and it's a setup for suffering. So in this next meditation, I'm going to invite us to explore equanimity in relation to a difficult person. I think of them as a sticky person, somebody where we have just that kind of, I wish you were a little bit different, or I wish your life was a bit different in some way. And then these phrases, I care about you, but I cannot live your life for you. Your happiness or unhappiness depends upon your actions not upon my wishes for you. So seeing if you can find someone that makes sense, those phrases make sense for, and who's not too intensely challenging, and then we'll give it a go. Okay, so just taking a few moments again to find a relatively comfortable sitting position And remembering that equanimity is the invitation to find balance. Really taking care to find a sitting position that expresses that sense of balance and stability. So connecting with the support of the ground beneath you. Letting the weight of the body settle evenly into the support of the earth. So you might feel that sense of balance and strength, stability, uprightness, and ease. Sitting like a mountain, strong and stable. Knowing the breath, knowing the breath coming and going. Coming and going. Coming and going.
Simply letting the awareness rest on this natural rhythm of breathing in and breathing out. And as the body and the heart and the mind begin to settle, to soften and relax, you might notice if there's a sense of ease and well-being without forcing or straining, but just noticing any aspect of the body, of the energy right now that feels at ease and calm. Any sense of just basic well-being. As you stay connected to that sense of stability and ease, beginning to bring to mind now this person who's your so-called difficult or sticky person. Imagining them here in the room with you today, perhaps sitting in front of you or to one side, or perhaps sitting quite a distance away in the hall, maybe even in the doorway. Inviting them in to some proximity, whatever feels comfortable. And as you invite them in, noticing any responses in your body and heart and mind as you bring this difficult person to mind. If there's some ripple of reactivity, inviting the body to relax, the heart to soften, the mind to orient towards acceptance. And then again, reconnecting with the image, the memory, the presence of the difficult person. 
Getting a sense of some of the challenges that they face in life. The ups and downs, the highs and lows, successes and failures. opening to the full spectrum of their life's journey. And again, even as you do this, perhaps again noticing some ripples of reactivity. If it helps, you might put a hand on your heart is to orient to stability, acceptance, and if necessary, some moments of compassion or self-compassion. And then again, reconnecting with a difficult person and offering them the phrases of equanimity. I care about you, but I cannot live your life for you. Your happiness or unhappiness depends upon your actions, not upon my wishes for you. I care about you, but I cannot live your life for you. Your happiness or unhappiness depends upon your actions, not upon my wishes for you. So continuing in this way to explore how it feels to be in the presence of the difficult person. To get a sense of the challenges and the aspects of their lives that are going well. To connect with the full spectrum of who they are. to notice any responses or perhaps ripples of reactivity in your own body and heart and mind. And staying present to these with as much balance as you can. If at any time you feel lost or confused, and come back to simple mindfulness of breathing. And when the awareness is stable again, reconnect with the presence of the difficult person, offering them these phrases, I care about you, but cannot live your life for you. 
your happiness or unhappiness depends upon your actions, not upon my wishes for you. And as you do this, you might notice some sense of spaciousness or acceptance or ease. a subtle warmth. So also noticing any of the signature qualities of equanimity might be coming up in your own body and heart and mind. Continuing in silence now for a few moments.
remembering that equanimity is a practice of balance, of evenness of heart and mind, not taking sides. So touching into the truth now that just as you have difficult people in your life, at times you have been a difficult person for others. Perhaps the person you're working with today or perhaps someone else. So noticing any responses in your own body and heart and mind as you touch into this understanding that all of us have difficult people in our lives and all of us at times have been difficult for other people. And if necessary, at times you might want to reinforce the equanimity with self-compassion, self-forgiveness, as you touch into some of the ways that you may have caused difficulty for others. Exploring equanimity now as this practice of acceptance of our own humanity. Our own struggles, challenges, rewards, difficulties and successes. Noticing the movement of the heart and the mind, perhaps ripples of reactivity. And seeing if you can stay steady. Orienting back to the capacity of equanimity to know the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows. expanding and extending that same quality of acceptance towards yourself, towards your difficult person, to all the people here in the room with you today. All of us co-meditators living and practicing together. Offering each of us the same quality of acceptance, of openness, of non-reactivity, and of ease.
if you happen to run into any obstacles or places where you feel that you don't want to open. Simply practicing equanimity for the non-equanimity. This is how it is right now. And then lastly, letting go of any directing the attention anywhere at all. Letting go of any attempt to do anything. And simply sitting now in silence. Nothing to do. Nowhere to go no one to be, simply sitting, knowing, sitting and knowing that you're sitting. Letting go of any sense of having to do anything at all other than simply being.
Thank you for your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.